This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 7, Episode 2. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Wednesday, July 6th, 2022, as of the recording of this episode, and I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by co-host Matthew Marister. Hello, hello. And we are glad to be with you for another monthly edition of our Justified Save episode stories, Uh, or in this, you know, some people might be more familiar with the concept of a DGU, or defensive gun use, but here at concealedcarry.com and on this podcast we like to use the reference justified save implying that uh, it is a legally justified use of deadly force or sometimes not deadly force although most of the stories we cover involve uh, use of deadly force not necessarily always shots being fired but anyway folks using guns to defend themselves to prevent really bad things from happening to them in a justified legal manner. So that's the topic of today's episode. We've got a bunch of great stories to share and cover with you, lessons learned. But first, we need to recognize our episode sponsors. First up, we've got CCW Safe. CCW Safe sponsors every Justified Safe episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. We appreciate their sponsorship because here's the thing. If you are ever involved in a DGU incident, a critical incident... Well, it sure feels good having a company like CCW Safe backing you up for the aftermath. Uh, they will stand by you and hold your hand, stand at your side, sometimes literally. Uh, although I can't promise that. Every situation will be a little different. But it's really fascinating when you go back and review incidents involving some of their customers like Stephen Maddox. You can actually read about all about Stephen Maddox on the CCW Safe website about what he went through and also what CCW Safe did to help and support him and help him win his case as he was charged with murder, but uh, was later found to be innocent of that and that he, in fact, did uh, use defensive, legal, justified force to defend himself. So check out ccwsafe.com to learn about their various uh, uh, memberships available, including the you got the ultimate plan, which is what I have, and I'm I'm pl- proud to have the ultimate mem- membership. But also, the, the defender and the protector plans are also great options as well. Uh, check them out, learn about what the coverages are and are not. If you want to compare those plans, that's all available on the site there as well. And we are proud partners of CCW Safe. Again, CCWSafe.com. And don't forget to use the discount. Code CC Podcast to save 10% off of CCW Safe membership. Also, today we've got Guardian Conference, another sponsor of our podcast today. Uh, 2022 Guardian Conference coming up in September of this year. That means uh, that's actually coming up here pretty quick. Only got a couple months to go. So now's the time to make sure you commit if you're going to be there. Uh, we hope to see you there. Still spots available, although no guarantees as to how long those spots will be available. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma is the place to be at the Oklahoma City Gun Club for three days of fabulous world-class training that will take place there. 
theguardianconference.com is a place to learn more and get signed up. Take advantage of uh, the pricing we have right now. I don't think we've gotten to quite the full price yet. So you want to take advantage of that before that goes away. Be sure to spread the word with your friends and family too. In fact, we had a number of families that attended last year, or couples at the very least. Uh, although I know in one case we, all, we also had, actually, I know we had at least two father and sons that were there and maybe a couple more. Oh, there was a father and daughter uh, uh, duo as well. So great opportunity for training for you and those that you care most about. Go Again, go to guardianconference.com to learn more and to get signed up. And a sponsor of the Guardian Conference, which we're recognizing in this episode here today, is the Armed Citizen Critical Incident Identification Systems Company. Uh, they offer a uh, special banner to uh, be of use in critical incidents uh, that uh, might be something worthwhile looking into if that's something that interests you. Uh, you can learn more and go to dsmsafety.com and contact them there to learn more about uh, about their uh, safety banners. So check that out. And we're uh, thankful for their support of the Guardian Conference. Well, let's get into today's Justified Safe Stories. So first up, Matthew, why don't you tell us about this first one out of Manhattan, the subway station there. Of course, we know New York City's been on the news a bunch lately with uh, recent Supreme Court rulings and everything that uh, the governor there and Mayor Adams of New York City, all all the stuff they're trying to do to, well, (laughs) to make things as difficult as they can (laughs) for law-abiding New Yorkers. Uh, But uh, anyway, we got an interesting incident that took place uh, a week or two ago on the subway or near the subway there in Manhattan, which actually involved a retired law enforcement officer, but he was carrying concealed legally. But why don't you tell us details about this uh, this justified safe story here? Yeah, this one is from CBS News New York. And surprisingly, an incident happened on the subway in New York. I know that's probably crazy for a lot of people to imagine, but apparently there was some conflict um, or confrontation on one of the subways just before 1 p.m. Uh, on a Tuesday. Uh, This was uh, 77th Street and Lexington Avenue platform. So uh, somebody shoots a video, of course, from their cell phone uh, of this incident. And CBS News New York initially posted the video. Apparently, there there wasn't a lot of information on it. So this is a follow-up to their initial reporting of this incident. But um, in the video, you see a guy, one, one of the guys on the inside of the train, Um, The other guy on the outside on the platform of the train kind of by one of the stanchions and he's pointing a gun at the guy inside the train who's unarmed. Um, And the guy on the inside of the train is yelling, you know, use the gun or shoot the gun or something like that. Um, Police arrive and put both of the guys in cuffs. Turns out, like you mentioned, Riley, the guy with the firearm is a retired sergeant, just a sergeant doesn't I don't I you know, uh, New York PD has a lot of different police agencies and stuff. I, I assume it's a New York police officer, sar- po- uh, police department sergeant, but um, who knows? But we're going to go with sergeant, retired sergeant for some law enforcement agency in New York. Um, and 
you know, there's it's really uneventful because we don't see what led up to this pointing of the gun. Uh, the sergeant is, you know, you can see in the video, uh, the retired dude, he's he's pointing uh, at the guy kind of like, hey, stay back or get down or something like that. Um, and, you know, we don't really see what goes on. Um, but it, there, there's a couple things that, you know, I'll just kind of mention and then I'll hand it back over to you to kind of drill down into it. But um, the way that this article kind of spins it is really interesting because they kind of include it in kind of this, well, now with the new law, the change of the Supreme Court changing the law in New York City could, you know, um, basically inferring that this is going, you know, this is going to be the Wild West. And because this guy was a retired police you know, Sergeant, he was able to skillfully use his firearm, but, you know, now that there's, you know, the, the, you don't have to give a reason, uh, to, to, uh, carry a firearm. You still have to go through the process, right? You just don't have to give them a reason, uh, why you deserve to have one. Um, but somehow that's going to turn, you know, the, the subway into the wild west, which it isn't right now, apparently, Right. So um, I just thought that that was interesting kind of tie in that they kind of said, you know, um, phrase, you know, kind of framed this whole incident in that light. But um, there's some things we can take take away from this as far as positioning, um, maybe verbal commands and identification and things like that. And I'll, I'll hand it back over to you, Riley, kind of point those things out. Yeah, I picked up on some of the same things you did. Uh you know, I thought I thought one quote here from the senior vice president of law and policy for every town for gun safety, Nick Suplina, says, uh, however, when an untrained individual gets scared on the New York City subway, if the first thing they think is, let me draw my firearm, we're going to have a very different subway system in New York. And I was thinking, you know, it's, it's an interesting quote since, uh, you know, it's apparently in reference to this particular incident, which... Okay, keep in mind the circumstances of this incident involving this retired police sergeant who is carrying lawfully and uh, under presumably Leosa, I would I would imagine. And uh um he uh you know, he he was accost- accosted by an individual who threatened to harm him and stated that he or insinuated in some way. That's what the article says it, it says that he insinuated he had a weapon and was following this uh, retired sergeant. Uh, and so that sergeant, you know, took him at his word. You know, the threats were issued. Uh, a weapon was apparently mentioned or brandished, or maybe he was poking his hand through his jacket. I have no idea. But in some way, you know, this this wasn't just a, you know, <laughs> in response to that quote, if, the, if someone gets scared and the first thing you think is let's draw my firearm, that's not what was going on here. This, this, in d- this, uh, retired Sergeant, uh, actually does say retired NYPD Sergeant. Oh, but, okay. Um, I missed that part. I just, I just read that, that part again, but that's, that's not what was going on here. This guy, you know, had an articulable, uh, uh, threat, uh, and he responded to that accordingly. And, uh, you know, we see these sorts of things play out all the time, all across the country. Are mistakes made? Sure, by citizens. Are mistakes made by police? 
Yeah, all the time. Uh, even with, you know, many, many hours of training, relatively speaking. I know New York is going to implement a permitting process. They already have one, but I know they're going to, you know, revamp that. Uh, that's going to involve a significant amount of training for individuals to get their permits. Uh, but uh, anyway, regardless, this is just fear-mongering from uh, every town for gun safety that, you know, people people are just going to get scared and they're going to think, you know, I just got to drop my gun. So uh, that that if that happens, that'll be the exception rather than the rule. It's not going to go all wild, wild west. And also, subways are probably going to be. I, and I, I didn't see for sure. I've been on vacation a little bit, haven't been paying as much attention the last few days. But I think I saw that New York was had passed or was getting close to passing. Was going to or was going to get past uh, their. You know how they were going to redefine uh, sensitive areas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it, I know on that list was subways and subway stations. So, so, uh, we're probably not gonna, you know, have many citizens carrying in those locations anyway, which, uh, is interesting because, you know, well, now you can't take advantage of transportation to get around this large city and highly populated and highly dense city and protect yourself in, in, uh, while you're conveying yourself about. So, Anyway, let's go on to our next story here on the Tennessean, Tennessean.com. This happened in West Nashville at a convenience store. Uh, this is kind of an interesting one. And actually, this is sort of where I took the uh, title for today's episode from, which is Why Concealment is Important. And it becomes apparent when you go through this incident, which again happened in West Nashville at a convenience store uh, Friday night. Uh, this is like a week ago, Friday. Uh, and uh, what happened here was actually family members were taking an individual, 41-year-old man, to a mental health institution, to a hospital. Uh, he was having some kind of mental health episode. And so they were doing the right thing. You know, they got they got him into the vehicle. They're taking him to the hospital, trying to get him the help that he needed. And so uh, on their way, he managed to break himself free and get out of the vehicle. He then got into traffic, uh, including getting on top of a moving vehicle. So, again, we have a a crazed individual. Someone, uh, again, is having a mental health episode, uh, not in the right state of mind. They need this help. uh, But before they can get them to the hospital, this happens. After this, uh, uh, this individual... Uh, gets on or gets off of the moving car. He then made his way nearby to a gas station where the clerk was, it says on a break inside of his vehicle in the parking lot. Uh, this man attempted to get into the clerk's vehicle. The clerk tried to get away, it says, but was followed into the store. And this is the key part here that I picked up on Matthew. I don't know if you'd seen the same thing or saw it in the same way, but uh, the, the, uh, uh, the clerk was carrying a gun and the attacker in this case happened to see that we don't know if he was carrying openly already or if he was attempting to carry concealed and it just became somehow readily apparent um, whether visibly or printing through his clothing or whatever. But it says that this man saw the clerk was carrying a gun and threatened to shoot him with it. So you can imagine how this, and actually the very next phrase is that they'd start wrestling behind the counter. So it would appear that, that became a little bit of a catalyst, uh, a fight, if you will, over, over the gun. Uh, and he did, in fact, try to disarm the clerk. At that point, the clerk 
was able to you know maintain control of his pistol, draw his pistol, and shoot this individual with it, uh, unfortunately costing him his life. And I say it's unfortunate because, I mean, this this is a mental health crisis that's taking place there. Uh, it's entirely likely this individual would not have committed these same actions if they were in a more sane state of mind. Um, but uh, but unfortunately, had to go this way. And that's just the way it goes. I mean, this guy could have gotten killed by a vehicle, right? Instead, he ended up trying to attack an individual, an individual who happened to be armed and was able to successfully and legally defend himself with his firearm. And, well, that's just one of the many reasons why we believe in the right to carry such firearms for personal defense. So uh, that's, uh, that's the wrap on this one out of Nashville. Yeah, yeah. I, in you know, the, I picked up on the same thing, and that's really w- one of the reasons why I wanted to include this story is that, like, it, and this isn't to rehash the concealed carry versus open carry debate because you know, I, you know, we we cover that quite a bit, but you know, we often talk about um, you know open carry um, as being placing you at a disadvantage sometimes. Um, in, in the counter to that is you know like. Um, people w- will see a firearm and they'll be dissuaded from attacking me. And we know that like, not only does that not dissuade extremely violent criminals, but we don't often talk about the the aspect of it is, you know, people that are not in the right mind, whether it's substance abuse, you know, because th- they're extremely high or they're having a, some sort of psychotic episode Um, they're not afraid and many times they may be trying to commit suicide and see your firearm as, you know, a a potential for them to be able to get it, to kill themselves or to kill you or, or to make you kill them. So, um, not to say that this guy, you know, invited this attack because he was open carrying. I'm not, I'm not insinuating that. I'm just saying this man might not, this clerk might not have been attacked had the the person not seen his firearm. I'm not saying that that's the case. I'm just saying we have to consider the fact that, you know, um, you know, if you're driving down the road and you see somebody jumping on cars in the middle of the street and they're half naked or running down the street naked, um, getting out and confronting that person with the firearm probably is not going to be the end the way you think it will be right where the guy says oh i'm doing something wrong let me stop i don't want to get shot right like so um i think this is one of those instances where we we recognize the the advantage i guess of concealed carry and then you know when the time comes and and you have to and you have no other other uh option you know you, you use your firearm but um i thought this was a like i i felt bad with this as well as like one of those situations where it kind of you know it's it's not the guy that was you know shooting up a, a a church or something like that right this is a guy who's clearly not in his right mind but unfortunately uh he lost his life you know because of it mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i agree with you i mean again definitely want to be careful how we phrase uh, certain things here, but uh, as far as the whole idea of, well, open carry may, you know, sort of almost becomes a form of victim blaming in a way, but uh, but here's the thing, you know, if you, and this is one of the reasons why we've talked about open carry versus concealed carry. Uh, the thing with concealed carry is that 
typically, assuming that it is concealed or remains concealed, remains concealed from not only view, but also even touch and feel uh, from our, our adversary. Uh, I get to choose when to introduce that, that variable into the fight. I get to choose that, right? As soon as a gun is openly or in the open, then I don't get that choice anymore. You know, I have already displayed, I have shown my cards. Okay. This, I created a meme a few years ago. <laughs> I, I used uh, the scene from Maverick, you know, where Mel Gibson is playing cards and he's acting like, you know, he's acting silly intentionally and he, he fans his cars, cards openly. He's acting like he doesn't know how to play. Right. And, you know, he shows his cards to his opponents, you know, his opposing players. And then below that, and I, I say that's, you know, that's the same thing as open carry. And below that, I use the scene on this meme of uh, Daniel Craig from, uh, J- you know, of James Bond uh, from uh, uh, Casino Royale, you know, and where he's being all, you know, James Bondish, you know, and he's keeping things close to his chest and he's looking all, you know, dignified and everything. And that's the concealed carry, you know, part of the meme. And that, and that's literally what it is when you are openly carrying, uh, whether it's a deterrent or not, what you are in fact doing, no matter what, is actually displaying your cards. And what that means is, is that now everybody else gets to determine how to react based on you showing your cards. Now they know how to play, but you might not have the same luxury of having options available to you. Yes, you still have a gun, but it now introduces that variable into that equation and, and you no longer have that ace up your sleeve, so to speak, of, you know, being able to choose when to introduce that card into the fight. And that's one of the, and that's a tactical thing. And that's a, that's a, that's, that's something worth understanding the power of, of having that, that ace in the hole. Um, anyway, in this case, I just thought it's not very often that we get instances like this where we get details of the level that where we learn that you know we had this altercation that took place and a gun became a, apparent and something it got introduced into the equation and that changed the nature of the fight potentially uh, to where it sort of forced the 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 concealed carrier's hand you know eventually and so because um, at that point now that now hey there's a gun so we're fighting over the gun so now what else am i going to do i pretty much need to make, make maintain control of that gun and probably use it because if i don't they're going to continue fighting before and eventually i'm probably going to lose so mm-hmm. interesting stuff to consider yep, and it's yep. uh like i said not very often we get stories like this one yes sir this is an interesting website. Never been on it before, but the story is a good one. Citizenstringer.com. Citizen Stringer News. <laughs> uh, real news by real people. Uh, like I said, I don't even know where Matthew came up with this one, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, like I said, it's a it's a it's a worthwhile uh, DGU story here. Two teens fatally shot by armed homeowner after a targeted home invasion. It says Matthew, uh, take it away. All right. So, yeah. So there's some interesting tidbits about this story. Um, The two uh, home invasion suspects are teenagers aged 16 and 15. All right. So um, that's one interesting uh, 
consideration or, or uh, thing to note about this. And, and we've seen this kind of trend um, over the last few years, whether it be armed carjackings, um, armed robberies, um, home invasions, that the, the age of the suspects are getting younger. They're often, you know, where it used to be commonplace to see an 18 year old. Now, I mean, we're seeing 15 year old armed home invasion suspects. So just kind of let that sink into where we are. Um, but so basically what happens is um, these two suspects uh, come into the home um, and physically attack the resident. Um, the resident is armed with a handgun, shoots, um, and suffers some minor injuries in the attack. Um, but the suspects um, uh, are, are both shot. Um, it's interesting because um, it w- we get some in, some insight into this incident and it says it appears as though the homeowner had no knowledge of this, his attackers, but um, they're trying to determine because it seems as though the, um, the, the victim was targeted by these suspects. Uh, it says we're treating this as a home invasion type incident where two males came into the home and it appears to be a case of self-defense at this time. Um, and that the, the 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 victim did not know the suspects, but the suspects targeted the victim for some reason. They didn't explain why or how they knew that or what why they targeted them. Um, there was only one firearm that was recovered. The two teenagers didn't seem to be armed. Um, at least um, they didn't find any any uh, weapons on the two. Um, but yeah, it seems um, I I what just jumped out at me was you know, these are two teenagers. Um, it's, it's crazy. The website, like you said, it's kind of an obscure, uh, website. However, I did go down into the comments and if you, you know, um, before you get down to the comments, there's a statement, uh, from the, the Hartford public school released a statement regarding the teen's death. And, uh, the, if I didn't mention the teens died in this, uh, perpetrating this crime and the school system released a statement, you know, saying that these two kids were former students at the the school system and, you know, they're, they're sad over this tragedy and offering, you know, um, uh, counseling services and things like that. And I'm thinking, man, like, this is crazy that we have 15, uh, 15 and 16 year old former students. I don't believe you graduated 15 or 16. Maybe you do. Um, who the school system is is releasing statements about their death because they're involved in crimes. I'm not saying that these kids, you know, deserve to die in the least. I'm not saying that we should celebrate it at all. I'm just saying it. it it's kind of just a weird um, place right now in in our society, I guess, where we're reading stories about teenagers who were former students that dropped out of school at 15 or 16 committing armed robberies or committing robberies, um, home invasions and stuff. And it's just, I don't know, it, it, the whole thing just kind of, uh, made me kind of feel a little bit, um, I don't know, depressed in, in, in where we are with raising youth today and, and, you know, wherever you want to go with that, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Riley? 
Well, I think that home invasions and robberies pays better than school. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. But, you know, I mean, that that is the reality is uh, whether it's uh, looking for thrills or it's just a way of getting your hands on some, some stuff, you know. Um, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's terrible and it is unfortunate. Um, I, I, I did notice that little former student uh line there and and i was like kind of again i was trying to understand if that was well they dropped out or is that just it seemed also weird that we would you know like they died in this home invasion is that does that do we automatically start referring to them as former i mean i i I realize that is the reality at that point but seems like that is a little cold on the school side yeah in terms of a statement potentially um yeah, again, targeted home invasion, um, but yet the homeowner didn't know them. Uh, we have another story coming up. I, I believe it wasn't this one. I think it's a different one that that mentioned that uh, uh, the home intruder was uh, somebody that lived on the same street, you know, in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And and so there's just, there's two stories here. I think we're, again, this one's targeted, and I'm not saying these two individuals were were from that neighborhood, although they could have been, and it seems likely if they targeted this particular individual or this particular home, it seems like they, they likely had some knowledge of it. Um, and then we have another story where it specifically states that the perpetrator of the crime, the, the home invasion itself was from that same, not only the same neighborhood, but that same street. And it's worth, it's noteworthy that uh, it's not uncommon for crimes like, you know, particularly property crimes to involve people from, I mean, that are in your neighborhood. Uh, my wife had her bike stolen years ago, which was recovered, thankfully. And it was committed by somebody that was, that we basically could consider a neighbor. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so, you know, the, the people that live near you are the ones most likely to know you and to know your, will not only know your, your habits and, your your time frames and you know kind of when you're there when you're not there what the opportunities might be but they're also going to know probably more likely than others maybe some of the stuff that you have that's worth worth it to them to try to commit that crime and so it's, it's good to know it's just good to keep in your mind and to be careful the information the type of information that uh, you let your neighbors know it's good to be a good neighbor but we just need to be cautious, I think, with, uh, you know, sensitive information, whether it's money, jewelry, or guns, or other valuable things. So, anyway. All right. Uh, going now to Clearwater, Florida. Clear Clearwater woman was attacked in her bedroom. Shoots intruder dead, according to this article from WFLA.com, uh, Channel 8 news affiliate in florida uh tampa area in fact a clear clearwater woman shot a man who attacked her in her bedroom tuesday morning according to police and this happened uh actually about two weeks ago and clearwater p re, re, uh, responded and said that uh what officers found this happened by the way at 8 49 a.m okay so you know i think a couple of other instances that we've covered so far occurred at night uh, but we know, and we've covered these sorts of things before. In fact, we have another story coming up later in the episode that happens. It says during like the bright 
of day. Uh, at least that's what it, what I think I got gathered from it. So these kinds of things can happen any time of day, anywhere, anywhere in America. Okay. Um, yeah. Is there maybe a greater propensity for certain things to happen at certain times? Perhaps uh, there's probably statistics that backs that up, but don't let your guard down just because it's 8:49 AM. What happens here is actually the woman woke up. Uh, that's what she gets for sleeping in. Just kidding. Uh, 8:49 AM. She wakes up, finds uh, this man in her bedroom before he attacked her. This is the one that says the police said he lived on the same road as the victim. Hmm. Seems like likely that he was particularly interested in her would be my guess again, because he's from that neighborhood lives on that same road, probably had seen her and uh, had some interest in her. Right. So he, she wakes up, sees him in her bedroom. He attacks her at that point. She's able to reach out and call 911 during the attack. Good on her. Uh, it says that the attack persisted at that point, even though she's called 911. And then it also says she was eventually able to retrieve a gun, which she had lawfully and was able to use that and shoot the suspect fatally in self-defense, according to police. It says that she had, she had injuries that were consistent with self-defense. And that they're being a little bit tight-lipped about the details. Uh, it just says, and again, restating what the police uh, a spokesperson said. Actually, the police chief said that he says, I tell you that she was asleep in the resident residence. She was attacked. She has injuries consistent with that attack. And she used her gun and successfully defended herself. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and w- one thing I appreciated about this is... Um, the spokesperson, whoever the, you know, they interviewed from the, the police department or sheriff's department um, said um, the situation is still under investigation. This dude's name slaughter. Um, he says, we certainly don't just chalk it up to self-defense and move on. He said, there's an awful lot of work that has to occur. The crime scene is going to be investigated just like any other death or murder or homicide. Whereas in this particular case, potentially justifiable, justified homicide. And I think that's intri- like, important and it's often left out in and I, I think it's important not only for us to like remember um as people that use self-defense but like i think it's important for the general public because how often do we 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 hear like oh well you know stand your ground law just allows people to shoot and get away with murder or shoot and ask questions later or, you know people just shoot each other and never gets investigated and they just say that and and it's like no, like investigations are going on. And even when it appears to be self-defense, they still do. They still must do, you know, an investigation because there's a death. And, and, you know, like we even saw in the first um, story we talked about, about the retired uh, sergeant. If you watch the video, when the police arrive, like they cuff him. And you see him in the video that, and it's not just like a quick detention, like he, they're moving him in cuffs. So he's detained and being moved um, while under detention. So like, like they're not just, Oh, you're a Sergeant. Okay. Here, you know, like here's your gun, go about your business. We'll just take, like there's investigations that are going on all the time. And, and like, um, and so for the general public, that's important to know. And for us, like to know, yeah, we're going to get questioned. We're going to, they're going to ask questions and, and, you know, we, we, we have to give truthful answers and all that stuff, but 
which shouldn't be a surprise when if you end up in cuffs or if they're asking you questions, hey, did you do this? And, and you know, you said this, but this doesn't matter, you know, th- those types of investigative questions. So um, I just thought that that was kind of interesting because you don't often see that in, in the stories. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, let's go now to Lake, Lake and McHenry County Scanner. I thought it was going to say Lake McHenry County Scanner. Uh, and uh, what we have here is this is, uh, where is it again? This is Lake County Sheriff's Office. Yeah. I always love when we don't know for sure what state they're in. We just, you know, we see it's some local news, you know. Uh, and sometimes uh, they're, they're covered by other, like, other states, that, you know what I mean? That's true, too. So <laughs> Anyway. We don't know exactly where this one's at state-wise, so some Lake County, apparently. Homeowner holds burglar at gunpoint after awakening to find him inside home in Ingleside, wherever Ingleside is in Lake County in whatever state. So uh, why don't you tell us about uh, what happened with this uh, with this burglary? Yeah, so this happens at 12, 10 a.m. So this is one of those nighttime, you know, uh, home invasion burglaries. Um, but um, so homeowner... Uh, wakes up and finds this dude uh, James Rizzo. And if you ha- if you go to the show notes and you follow the you know go to this site, they have his booking photo. And I wouldn't want that dude in my house. I wouldn't want to wake up to that dude in my house at all. Um, but anyways, so uh, this happens in the um, uh, twenty five. 25,000 block of West Marquette drive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the homeowner wakes up, sees this dude in, in their room, in their, uh, home. They hold them at gunpoint and call, uh, the sheriffs who arrive and, um, take the person into custody. Now, the interesting part of this is something that we've talked about like numerous times, but, um, maybe not enough. Um, and I really want to include it. So the way that Rizzo, the, the suspect gains access to the, the home is interesting. Um, allegedly he broke into the, the vehicle that was parked in the street and probably already know where I'm going with this, Used the garage door opener to open the garage door. And then the, you know, entry door from the garage to the home was unlocked or Somehow he gained access through that door um, and um, that's how he got in. Um, they heard this guy inside their home as they were when when they were asleep. So they woke up and the creepy thing about it is they find him not just in the home, but where they find him is is next to their baby's bedroom. And that's what that's what the statement says in, in the story. Um, so creepy dude uses the, you know breaks into the vehicle um, maybe he was just committing you know car burglaries sees the sees the garage door opener maybe and uses it as an opportunity to go in maybe he had other intentions seeing that he was found near the baby's bedroom who knows but nonetheless um if if there is a clear you know story that should dry point the home or drive home the point not to leave you know, your, your garage door opener in your car. Um, this, this is it, you know, it doesn't get much clearer than that one. Well, some cars have them like integrated into the 
the mm-hmm. car itself, you know, and, and, and so, you know, if you want to take advantage of that convenience, that might be difficult to do uh, as far as, you know, not leaving your opener in your vehicle. I, I think uh, uh, I could see someone wanting to not necessarily or not unable to remove their garage door opener from their vehicle. But let's think of some other things that we could uh, do here, such as making sure that our door from the house to the garage is, is actually locked and secured, right? There's a lot of different uh, ways we could uh, skin this cat, so to speak. Um, you know, but but just just having a more complete and holistic uh, home safety and security plan, always a good idea. This is a good lesson learned in that regard for sure, for sure. So, yeah, I'm glad it worked out, uh, you know, in the end, as far as like that little baby didn't get harmed and the, and the homeowners weren't harmed. Uh, no shots ended up having to be fired, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. They did hold him at gunpoint. They they detained him, which you know technically is is you know in, in probably in most jurisdictions completely uh, per, permissible to do uh, in this specific since, uh, instance. You know uh, where they witnessed him committing the crime, and it was a crime severe enough to uh, essentially affect a citizen's arrest. At the same time, could they have pulled the trigger? Probably too, right? Uh, Lake County, by the way, this is Lake County, Illinois, just north of Chicago. And it made, and it made complete sense because it was Lake and McHenry County scanner. Apparently their local publication there and McHenry, Illinois. I've, I've certainly have heard of that. So, and I have heard of Lake County. In fact, I've driven through Lake County. It's been a while, but, uh, there's probably other Lake counties in the U S so that's why we don't always know where we're talking. Uh, all righty. So what do we have next? Armed Pennsylvania citizen returned fire at Walmart parking lot shooter. And this is according to foxnews.com. And what happened here, this was interesting, an interesting one. is actually a New York City man accused of shooting a woman in a Walmart parking lot, but it occurred in Pennsylvania. So he's, he's out of New York, but he was down in Pennsylvania. And it says actually just outside of Scranton in Pittston Township. This actually occurred on June 1st. What happened here was this man was actually uh, going through the victim's car. So we, this was a started as a car break-in in the Walmart parking lot. The woman comes out, confronts the man who's going through her vehicle. So there's like kind of like lesson learned number one, right? Like, hey, you know, probably not the smartest thing for her to confront the man that had just broken into her vehicle. What happened is he actually then shot her. Okay. She confronted him and, and he shot her, uh, a, another shopper, another patron of the store there nearby just happened. And in fact, actually wasn't at the store. It says at a nearby nail salon, although it was close to the store there. And, uh, this individual heard, we don't know anything about them really, but they heard the gunshots of this woman getting shot. They then, drew their gun and raced outside and actually uh, exchanged uh, shots with uh, this man as well. And I believe that he was, uh, oh, actually, I don't know if that he was armed. Just says that. Yeah. That, that gunfire was exchanged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think I, when I first read it, I interpreted it as, you know, the, the good Samaritan here, if you will, Drew his gun and fired and, and injured or something of, of the the bad guy here, but uh, that's not actually clear based on this particular article. So, but what we know is that uh, this individual ran out and attempted to uh, to stop obviously the shooting of this woman, 
And apparently, you know, at least that brought it, brought it to a conclusion. They did arrest the man and he is facing charges, including attempted a homicide or aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, possession of a prohibited, prohibited firearm and uh, no charges for the good Samaritan here or anything. And, the, and apparently the woman that was shot, whose vehicle was broken into, uh, again, was wounded, but mentions that she's in stable condition. So that's good as well. Yeah, yeah. And a little down in the story, it does say that uh, the person who came from the the nail salon was legally carrying a gun. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have this guy legally carrying the firearm and the criminal who's charged with what possession of a prohibited firearm, right? So like, you know, if you listen to the earlier podcast where, you know, Jacob and I were talking about concealed carry permits and, and criminals, you know, inherently not following to, to care about getting a permit or anything like that. This is why, you know, um, this guy is carrying an illegal firearm, not concerned about no carry zones or, you know, 15 hour requirement for training or paying their fees or fingerprints or anything. Um, but a, a, a good Samaritan who is carrying a, went through the hoops, you know, did everything legally they want to do, or they, they, you know, require of them to do, um, comes in and, and responded appropriately. And, you know, we always caution about getting intervening on a, you know, a, a third party's, incident unless you you know exactly what's going on and and you know apparently you know I, i'm going to assume that this guy um saw what was happening and, and realized that this was not you know uh, an, an off-duty police officer affecting an arrest or or something like that but um saw this as what it was was somebody was just shooting an, a a woman in in the parking lot um and intervened and so um Always, you know, not always, but we often put those caveats and stories where, you know, the Good Samaritan intervenes on a third party just so we, we don't get the idea that, you know, or, or, you know, kind of push the idea that you must intervene if you're an arm carrier or you should or that, you know, um, in every case you should intervene. It's, you know, you, you need to assess the situation. You need to know what's going on before you use um, force against uh, against somebody but apparently in this situation it seemed like he assessed the, you know the good samaritan assessed the situation and acted responsibly and appropriately so that's good yep yep awesome why don't you share with us uh the final story matthew uh on concealednation.org 93 year old man you know I actually just was visiting my grandmother yesterday and she's not quite 93 she's she's not far from that though she'll be 92 mm-hmm. later this year and I, 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 you know, I, I say that with, cause it kind of puts me in this, uh, you know, this context, this perspective of mm-hmm. trying to imagine grandma, you know, here you have this 93 year old man and she's healthy and apparently he's healthy enough to run a gun too. So uh, good for him. 93 year old man shoots intruder critically injuring him in California, Moreno Valley, California. Yeah. Now th- this story is, is you know, it, it's a pretty good story. And, and we always preface, you know, always kind of qualify that statement when somebody gets killed that, you know, we're not cheering that this person died, but it's, it's a good story in the sense that it shows, um, it, it shows the necessity and, um, the importance of 
being able to possess firearms and use them responsibly to, to defend yourself. This guy, 93 year old man, he's at home. Um, apparently there have been multiple break-ins at this guy's home. Now he lives by himself. You gotta, you gotta, you know, uh, imagine somebody who's 93 years old people, you know, uh, one of his relatives is interviewed and says he's a, he's a retired, uh, uh, plumber, um, he's got lots of tools. He's a musician. He has, you know, uh, instruments and, and, and other, you know, collectible type things. And he's 93. Somewhat criminals are predatory. They're looking, they, they, they might see this guy say he's 93. He's not going to put up a fight. Um, they've been burglarizing, uh, his, his vehicle, um, and taking things little by little. He's been, the, this 93 year old man's been calling the police. They've been slow to respond. Um, he's kind of like, I don't know what I, what I can do. You know, I'm trying to do everything, uh, that I can. I'm 93 years old. Um, I, you know, I call the police when, when this is happening, but you know, whether it be short staffed, whether it be, um, you know, a defunding situation, whether it be whatever the situation, the police aren't, aren't able to appropriately, um, you know, respond and, and, and stop this. That seems like a serial problem. Um, and so on a Friday, um, uh, they, uh, they break in and, um, he ends up, uh, shooting, shooting one of them and, uh, and the guy dies and the, the intruder dies. And so, um, you know, it says, uh, one of the, one of the quotes here from uh, like one of the relatives of, of the man, uh, uh, the defendant his house uh, says he was tired because every time he calls the police, they took forever to come and assist him. Uh, he took the law in his own hands. He's been working all his life and whatever little things he has, he's protecting. Um, you know, the, the whole phrase took the law in your own hands. I, I kind of like, I understand the guy's not a, you know, he's not a, a use of force expert and things like that. Right. So, um, but I, I don't look at it in, in, in maybe this is why, most people will say, you know, the wild west, you know, it's going to turn in the wild west and people are going to take the law into their own hands. But I, I don't see this as really him taking the law into his own hands. I, I, I just think him, I look at this and maybe I'm the, the weird one, but him taking his, his, his safety and his own life into his own hands, like the protection of his own life and in his own, you know, his own livelihood. And, uh, um, you know, he's in his home. It's not about, you know, he, he went on some vigilante spree to, to affect, you know, some, uh, arrest on somebody. He, he, he did everything he could and, and he had to defend himself. And so I think, um, I, I just looked at it a little bit differently. Um, but I, I get the sentiment of what, you know, what the family member is saying. So unfortunately his family member who told all the stuff that he had of value in his home, just, you know, blurred, you know, put that out on, Fox news or whatever, you know, news station. So unfortunately now everybody else knows there's a 93 year old dude with a bunch of important and valuable things in his home, but maybe yeah. now they'll think twice because they know he's armed. Maybe. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah, I picked up on, you know, a lot of the same things you did as well. And, uh, definitely want to be cautious, you know, like the, the phrase that, you know, protecting these little things that he has, he's protecting his, his things that he's worked so hard for, um, I've engaged in conversations with people have tried to argue with me that, you know, there's, there's justification for using deadly force to protect, uh, uh, you know, 
our our property, and and I strongly disagree with the uh, the morals of that. But um, but again, I see a situation here, like you you pointed out, of a man that lives alone and has been uh, robbed uh, apparently before a number of times. And police haven't helped him. Police haven't responded very quickly, haven't assisted him in the way that uh, they likely should have, according to, you know, at least what we know here. And, and so uh, he, he did what he need, felt he needed to do. Uh, and again, we are talking about uh, someone that was breaking into his home. And so uh, in almost every jurisdiction of this country, you know, if you have home invasions taking place, uh, there's pretty good justification. You know, there's, there may be some specific legal considerations that may, you know, need to be considered based on um, where you are located. You know, we always can't uh, promise uh, and speak entirely, although I wish we could, but we can't speak entirely universally for everybody uh, as far as what you can and cannot do with such things. But, but we know that's generally the case as far as what happened here. And, uh, he was questioned and let go, and uh, he he defended himself, you know. And this is a person that is an elderly, at-risk individual. And so that obviously is going to be, come, be taken into uh, account as well. Um, these kind of circumstances are taken into, into account with such things, right? Um, I'm, I would be viewed very differently, perhaps, than a 93-year-old man, depending on the specific circumstances of whatever occurred. But certainly, there, that's that's going to play into things. I'm I'm more able-bodied. I'm stronger, right? Um, I'm not 93 years old, so uh, those those kinds of things are always uh, a factor. That's why every situation is unique to itself, and we need to understand that. And that's also why the law is pretty clear a lot of times, but also not clear because circumstances are different in every situation. So anyway, good stuff, man. Thanks for uh, putting together a good list of stories for us to cover and discuss here today on this episode. And so we're going to begin wrapping it up here. Uh, folks, again, this is our, our Justified Saves episode. You can tune in and hear our Justified Saves episodes uh, once each per, or one, we have one per month. Typically, it's the first Wednesday of each month. And uh, so, yeah. Anything else, Matthew? Parting words. No, I just, uh, you know, it struck me that how many episodes and how long we've been we've been doing the the podcast here, and you know, we have some some of the faithful listeners and stuff who's, who stick it through and a lot of, you know, me, you know, emails and stuff that come through that say, Hey, I found the podcast and I'm going back and I'm enjoying it and learning and, and stuff. And we really, those things really um, are, are, you know, we appreciate that so much because uh, if, if, if nobody listened to it, why, why would we be doing this? You know? Um, and, and just to know that it's beneficial to, to, to you guys is, is awesome. And it keeps us going when, uh, you know, when, when we're, we're trying to put on good podcasts and come up with good topics. And so, uh, we appreciate you guys listening and, and all your feedback and, um, yeah, just, just all the support you guys, you guys give us. Yep. 100%. Well, uh, I did want to, um, 
I almost forgot. I, I wanted to mention this. I just had this realization, Matthew, a, a few minutes ago, and but you were in the middle of uh, breaking down the last story. Uh, Lake County, where one of our stories is from, is also uh, the county that Highland Park uh, is within, mm-hmm. uh, where the uh, sh- shooting just occurred a few days ago, which was terror was absolutely terrible. Um, I was actually at a parade uh, when I learned that that was occurring or had occurred, and certainly uh, kind of is a bit of a gut check, right? You know, where you're like, hmm, yes, this could have happened potentially at my parade today. Um, and it's, it's sad and it's terrible that anybody would want to commit such a heinous act uh, on a day w- when we are uh, joyous and celebratory, you know, of our nation's independence and history and uh, people just trying to enjoy themselves with their, their families, their kids or loved ones. And someone's got to go do that. Uh, Absolutely terrible. Something we'll perhaps discuss at a later time. Uh, We're still within the 72 hours of that event. And we, uh, we actually have a company policy that we don't uh, discuss those things for at least uh, three days. And we're going to give that some more time and continue to let the facts and everything come out. But our sincerely, our thoughts and our prayers as we are, everybody here uh, works with us, our uh, God-fearing, praying Christian folk. And I know that not everybody listens to us are, but uh, but we are. And so we are praying for those folks in Highland Park, Illinois, and elsewhere uh, that are experiencing uh, violence uh, throughout our country. Uh, because as we know, yes, we, we, we see the hyper-focus of media on such things of mass shootings, um, but uh, at the same time, while this happened over the course of uh, July 4th and, and a holiday weekend, there was probably, and likely, actually, I know there were way more people actually killed in the city of Chicago uh, around that same time frame, just from mostly gang and drug-related violence. And uh, those are all terrible things, and we hope to see those things come to, to, a, uh, you know, to a close. But... It's a, this is the world we live in, and it's also a world of freedom. And with freedom comes certain costs. And uh, that's, why, that's partly what makes us Americans, is that we're willing to accept some, some costs and some risks so that we can enjoy freedoms. And there's also greater personal responsibility. And by that, we have responsibility of protection and defense of ourselves. And that is something that is hugely important and inherent to us as Americans and as people, as human beings, as children of God. And so with that, we are going to sign on out of here. Sign off, I guess that's that's the right phrase. One last shout out to our sponsors, ccwsafe.com, uh, the 2022 Guardian Conference at guardianconference.com, and appreciate Armed Citizen Critical Incident Identification Systems, for their support of the Guardian Conference and being a sponsor of that. And we appreciate your support of us and our sponsors that make all this possible. And until next time, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.
A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.